Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mythos Unit at Listen to These Nerds. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be running the game tonight. Starting at the top of the channel and going down, for our players, we have... Uh, hello, I'm Jonathan. Uh, today I'm going to be playing Adam Lavender. Uh, hello, I'm Harry, and I'll be playing Franklin Blackmore. Hey there, I'm Joe, and I'm going to be playing Quincy Adams. Hi, I'm John. I'm going to be playing Tony. So, uh, last we left off, I believe you guys were following up on a couple of requests made by contacts of yours. Specifically, a former member of your team, uh, one Mr. Jack Houston, who was looking into the disappearance of a friend of his, as well as the help request from... Uh, one of your contacts, Quincy, the man in black, a wanted vigilante who is currently being hunted by other members of Scotland Yard. And after talking with your contacts, uh, it turns out that they both are bringing you to the same location, an enclave of myths existing outside of London, a several hour drive out, as apparently they are being hunted by members of the McCarthy family. You guys hopped in the van, headed out, and soon enough, you guys pulled up to a frightening scene as it looked like some members of the McCarthy family were kidnapping myths and essentially transporting them in vans back to who knows where. But you guys joined the fight alongside the man in black, and you were able to subdue the members of the McCarthy family. But in the chaos, uh, revealing the man in black as Connor Carson, a university student who folks had met briefly before. And before anything could develop or the situation could escalate even further, a number of myths came out of hiding to rescue their compatriots that had been kidnapped. And an old giant woman uh, called out Carson by name. And yeah... As it seems, uh, the cat is out of the bag now. So, we're going to fast forward a couple of minutes. At this point, all of the myths have been released from the backs of the vans that had been driven by members of the McCarthy family. There are several different types of myths, like a few gnomes and some elves and even a troll here and there, like... Are just making their way out of the backs of the vans, just being pulled out of the bags and stuff, and their friends and family are rushing up to them, hugging them, making sure they're okay and stuff. And as this is going on, some other uh, myths are gathering together what seem to be like hemp and rope, and they're binding up the members of the McCarthy family and just hog-tying them, just making sure that they can't escape. And so they're all just being... Um, tied roughly to each other in a loose circle uh, in the snow. Uh, Quincy's also going to blindfold them all. Okay. Just in case they have any myth powers that require them to look at people. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Question for the the myths that are sort of like being uh, rescued. Based on what we know about myth powers, is there any kind of profile that like seem to be one? Like, is there a certain power that they seem to be like... Because we're assuming that these are being used in their like, packed drugs, effectively. Yeah. So I'm trying to think, is there, like, a pattern among the ones that are trying to, that have been kidnapped so far, or at least from what we can see? You're taking a look. It seems as though yeah, there are many kinds of myths whose powers can be used offensively or in terms of being useful in combat. And almost all of the myths that are being gathered up, um, it's like all of their powers 
they aren't dangerous on their own. You're thinking that if somebody were to make like a pact with one of the myths over there, maybe one of the ones over there, like they could get a combo platter of powers that when added up could make even a normal person a fairly dangerous combatant. Uh, yes, the power of synergy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as this is going on, you also see that, uh, yeah, the old giant woman has reached down and has helped Connor up and is, you know, brushing him off with a few enormous calloused fingers and just looking, Oh, Connor, jeez, you've really gone and made a mess of yourself this time, haven't you, boy? What have I told you about putting your neck out there? Look, it's all, I'm all right, you don't have to worry. And he's just kind of glancing over to you guys like clearly in a very uncomfortable situation uh and the old woman just looks over at all of you and oh you'll have to forgive me for not introducing myself my name's vivian you can call me viv if you like but i want to thank all of you for taking the time to come out and helping our boy here connor with ensuring that all of the members of our community are safe very kind of all of you uh, so while Quincy is, is putting the blindfolds on, he's going to take out his phone, his burner phone, and oh. type a text message to Connor saying, uh, you should probably leave before they try to arrest you. Um, so you're not sure. Connor is, uh, looks like he is in no position to be able to discreetly check his pockets or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just looking between all of the officers and uh, Viv with a, you know, just full-on, like, you know, hand-in-the-cookie-jar type situation. Quincy um, is pretending to be doddering and like, oh, I don't, I'm not paying attention, I'm blindfolding <laughs> these men! Ooh. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, quick question, because, um, this isn't Myth Town proper, no. right? No, this is an enclave. Uh, it's not even a town, it seems like. It looks like you guys are just in the middle of this sort of foresty area way out in the countryside with uh, a fresh outcropping of snow everywhere, which is also really weird because it's the complete opposite time of year for this. Okay, Chris. Yeah. Um, legally, whose laws apply here? Um, because if it's not Midtown, then that means that that this is, an, this is just a bunch of people bumming in the woods in England which means that, technically speaking, British law applies. Yeah, is that correct? We're guessing it's probably the latter. Okay. I mean, Tony doesn't quite understand the whole jurisdiction thing yet. Right. But I wanted to make it clear for, like, everyone else. Yes. For, there's, no, no, there's no special law in place for non, for non-Midtown settlements, yes. I assume. Or for everybody out of character, as well as the members of, like, the humans in character, yes, this is that sort of situation. You think you might be looking at a bunch of myth squatters. Yeah, okay. So they would fall, yeah, they would fall under, they would fall under whatever the laws are that govern myths that aren't in Midtown. Cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so we are the law. Then. Okay. Um, Maybe yeah. don't say it quite like that, but yeah, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, for all intents and purposes. Um, so yes, as, as, since that's the case, Quincy's going to be extra doddering and not paying attention to what's happening and acting mm. and just going about checking people and asking them if they're okay because he doesn't want to get in the middle of this. Right, yeah. So, uh, go ahead, Chris. Oh no, it's all right. Go ahead. Uh, so yeah, at this, uh, Blackmore is gonna kind of like just sort of step forward, 
uh, more or less keep his like hands where people can see him because he's probably like these people are probably pretty jittery and he doesn't want someone to like accidentally throw a lightning bolt in his face. And he goes, well, thank you, Vivian. Uh, my name's Inspector Blackmore. That's Inspector Adams. And I point to Quincy, uh, Inspector Lavender and uh, Inspector Megalos. We are uh, from and Mythos. Houston, remember? Oh, yes. And Inspector Houston. And yeah, uh, Quinn's, or Jack just gives a bit of a wave and, hello, how you doing? Uh, we were following up on some information that we had received, uh, mostly involving, well, we're here following a different lead and managed to stumble upon this. We were glad to be of help. Ah, and your help is truly appreciated, officers, really it is. If you have a moment, uh, understand that if, uh, there's uh, quite a bit you'd like to discuss, I understand. Please, this is no real place for this. Why don't you come back to the Enclave with the rest of us? Uh, hold on. Well, that would be lovely, though. We are going to need to deal with uh, this. And I kind of motion towards the uh, the hemp rope, uh, the hemp rope up of henchmen, as it were. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm going to so- call back to Irving and just be like, Hey, Irving, do we have any uh, anything strong for tying people up in the back of the van? I know we didn't uh, really you- come prepared turn around like Irvine uh, the van is still like well at the top of the road we we had to walk for a bit I remember yeah so you probably can't talk to Irvine unless you call him on the well yeah I call him okay (laughs) I'm not shouting it all right so yeah you call up Irvine and uh the the last thing you said cut off Chris I don't think he heard you yeah okay um so yeah you uh quickly call up Irvine and yeah he just oh ah shit um, Vivian, I hate to be a bother, but you wouldn't happen to have anything a bit, uh, stronger than this. Just because once they start waking up, if they do have pack powers, they're going to be awful ornery. <laughs> oh, I understand completely. Please, by all means, come with me. Um, while we talk about things, I'll make some nice chains for all of them. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> to imagine Tony was actually making chains in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could be. It's up to you. Uh, Tony doesn't, like, you would have to have prompted him, because Tony just figures if they wake up, you'll knock them out again. Mm. But, uh, yeah. So, so, so uh, once Quincy's done blindfolding them, he's actually gonna walk up to Tony. Uh, excuse me, Tony, and he, like, pats you, he, he pats you on the arm, reaching, like, your elbow, but even though he's reaching up. Mm-hmm. Um, could you make some restraints? Nothing too, uh, brutal, but just enough to keep them, um... Where they are? Um, yeah. Uh, do, Chris, do you need me to actually make the roll for this? or uh, can No, it's assume? okay. Um, I'm going to assume that with your skills and abilities, you'll be able to make quality chains. I'm just I feel like we, uh, we need a, a, a sound effect for for John smithing incredibly quickly. Well, I'm just imagining, like, you know those, like, steel rollers where, like, the big rods of steel come out, like, super, super quickly? I'm imagining mm. that, but just chains, basically, like, flying out of the forge. Mm. All right, so you uh, pull out the anvil, and soon enough you have the makeshift forge going, and in short order you are banging out uh, lengths of chains that are shooting outwards uh, like um, paper tickets at a, you know, at an arcade dispenser. So, yeah, and as you're doing this, the old giant woman is looking down at you with uh, some measure of appraisal and, oh, I must say, you've got some uh, fine quality skills there, my boy. But uh, if you're hoping to find uh, somewhere nicer to work, you're welcome to come and use my forge if you prefer. Oh, uh, 
thank you. The um, I wouldn't object to using a a, a proper forge. The, the there there's only so much I can do with these limited materials. Understandable. Well, come on. Why don't you dip your fingers into something a little more professional then? Come on. And so with that, she begins hobbling off towards um, further into the forest, uh, making a small like with every uh, step of hers as she's leaning on this uh, enormous walking stick that she has. Yeah. So um, as she's going away, uh, Tony will lean down to to Blackmore and say, "Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but are we supposed to be arresting the, the, the man in black, the uh, our superior buttermaker seemed very insistent on that point during our meeting yesterday. Technically, we do, though, considering that we are under gracious hospitality of a giant, I'd rather not like her to turn hostile at the moment. We can discuss the matter later when we're not at peril of being, uh, and Blackmore makes like a motion of being squished. <laughs> yes, it's certainly not our highest priority. Um, before he leaves, Adam is going to go through the uh, pockets of the members of the McCarthy gang and try and get ID off of them? Um, Yeah, you are able to find wallets on a good number of them and get identification on a number of the people that are with you right now. Uh, Three gold pieces and a fire ring. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Yeah, he's not he's not going through their pockets. He just wants to know who they are, how many of them are actually like related to the McCarthy's, how many of them are just henchmen. Uh, are their IDs real? Yeah, exactly, that kind of thing. Yeah, a very uh, fair thing. Just let me check something for you. And we don't have to go through all the details right now because it's not yeah, we, yeah, immediately going to be um, relevant. I do. Oh, I ca- I have names. It's okay. Um, the one that ca- that's really catching your eye is the older fellow, the bald man who you now realize is blind. Um, that guy, yeah. You take a look at his identification. This fellow seems to be a man named Riley O'Sullivan. Um, seems to be older, maybe about uh, early 60s or so, but um, huh. yeah. Um, and as we're going along, if you want um, Franklin, uh, you're welcome to roll uh, knowledge, um, you know, Scotland Yard inspector for to know about some of these people. Sure, I'll do that. Uh, plus five. Sixteen altogether. All right, so Riley O'Sullivan is a longtime advisor for the McCarthy family. This guy is, without a doubt, one of the higher-ranking members, you'd guess. Hmm. And as you look over the others, you do have an idea of who the others might be. Um, the woman who seemed to be had the ability to turn invisible and was using a claymore, that's Moira McKinnon, one of the She's like a bruiser for the McCarthy family. Like, she's the one they call in to, like, crack skulls together and put the hurt on people. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other woman, uh, the one whose leg is looking a bit uh, messed up and was on the roof of the vehicle, you actually have heard of her. Um, She's a mercenary named Nirav Thakar, and she is basically a gun-for-hire who you know, essentially loans out her services to all different kinds of individuals, whether criminal or otherwise. Hmm. Interesting. One you don't know is the Minotaur, so uh, yeah, you're guessing that he might be a newer recruit. Yeah, and that and I imagine he probably doesn't have any form of ID on him. <laughs> Not re- Well, actually, you guys look him over and he does have um, ID on him, actually. Uh, as oh. it turns out, he's got, like, um, basically a uh, yeah, it's uh kind of it's basically like there are some IDs 
that some myths can have. Because, oh, yeah, I mean, the ones that live in London have to have some, for- some form of right, right, yeah. Right? Exactly, yes. He does have legal identification. As it turns out, uh, the fellow's name is Oric Thunderhoof. But, yeah, it looks like you're not... Sh- you haven't heard of him yourself, uh, Franklin, so you're guessing this might be a newer hire of the McCarthy fan. As you are looking these guys over, Franklin, you notice that, um, yeah, uh, Oreck is just, yeah, looking up at you with this just, uh, yeah, this obvious sort of sneer of distaste, but... Except he's blindfolded. <laughs> well, y- yeah, or... Yeah, he's, he's just mad just- in general. Yeah. Yeah, he's just looking kind of pissed off, but as you look around, you notice that all of the other myths are regarding him with just sheer disgust at the moment. Like, Yeah, I, I think I can imagine why. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so, um, but as uh, you see, the giantess is still going further into the forest, and uh, yeah, Connor just kind of casts all of you a bit of a sheepish look before following behind her. Um, still, yeah, his hair is still snow white, and he still has those thick sideburns running down his jawline, as well as the slightly pointed ears. So, yeah, you're not sure what's up with that, exactly. For reference, he did not have pointy ears when we met him at the university, correct? He was pure human at the university with, uh, black hair. Okay. So he's like a werewolf or something, I guess. Uh... A were-elf. So, yeah, um... As we're uh, walking to the uh, wherever the giantess is taking us, I am actually going to like uh, catch Tony's attention and basically just tell him like, keep an eye on the Minotaur. I'm not worried about him escaping from the chains. I'm more worried that some of the uh, well, some of the other myths in the area aren't going to be taking too kindly to his participation in the uh, in this. And uh, I'd rather not have them get involved in something that might they might end up regretting. Um. Yeah, uh, Tony will will say, uh, I understand, uh, but <clears throat> uh, as their myths, uh, should I deal with any violent actions as though we were in Myth Town, or should I follow? And he'll take out the copy of the, the book he was given. <laughs> <sighs> uh, and Blackmore is actually going to, like, pinch the bridge of his nose and go, yeah, we haven't really gotten around to adding a section about, like, myth, uh, like, proper myth handling that isn't just ad hoc so do enough to keep the peace don't get to don't uh you know really and blackboard is gonna make like a a motion of like a hammer coming down really hard on something just make sure that they don't do something that they might end up regretting right so he'll he'll take out the book and say so i should give them a verbal warning first and then if they do not heed to my verbal warning I, I should then engage them with the attempt to subdue. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Ah, it's good to see that you've been reading it. Yes. Well, I wanted to to make sure that I, I was uh, doing my job as well as possible. Mm-hmm. And all right. So this conversation is continuing and you are making your way now uh, deeper into the forest. But you can see that there are like small wooden houses that have been set up definitely not conforming to the um architecture of human homes like they're in all different kinds of shapes and sizes like some of them are higher up in the trees maybe looking almost hexagonal in shape almost like a big beehive and you can see that they're 
uh, there are in fact a number of myths that look like small humanoid honeybees that are crawling out, buzzing around as they're uh, observing these new entrants into their domain. And nearby that you can see that there is a there are a large number of toadstools with doors set in them that are now opening up ever so slightly. And you can see a couple of small bearded fellows that are hesitantly poking out from around the doorframe looking at you as you go past. So, yeah, it looks as though you are getting further and further into this myth community as you make your way down to a lakeside where there is this enormous uh, stone hut that's almost like um, an Icelandic Viking-style lean-to, almost, if it was, if the entrance was, like, literally a hundred feet tall. And as you see, uh, there is the old woman... Uh, Viv, who is now setting herself up inside, and she seems to uh, be setting up a campfire in the middle, you know, the smoke going up through a hole in the top of the lean-to, and she's got what appears to be like an old-style kettle that's uh, beginning to uh, bubble slightly over the campfire as she's getting a few other things set up. I mean, there... for her eyes, if this is a kettle, then this thing must be pretty goddamn gigantic compared to oh, us. Oh, yes. Um, I... This, yeah. Sorry, I have a question. Is there a reason why we didn't see this when we were coming in, if it's that big? Well, Joey, uh, whenever something that it can't be explained happens, a wizard did it. Um, uh, sorry, what do you mean by that exactly, Joey? Well, if it's that tall, wouldn't we be able to see it from... Is there anything around here even close to that tall? Uh, yeah, there... Uh, the trees are pretty tall. They're doing a good job of disguising most of the buildings, but it looks oh, like... okay. So this lean- is kind of yeah. like nestled in, like, a very large forest. Yes, exactly. You guys are in the heart okay. of the forest. Okay. And next to the lean-to, you see that this lake is several hundred feet of- in diameter, and there's, like, this fine mist that several dozen feet out is obscuring the rest of the lake, but you think you can maybe see, like, an island in the middle of it? But, uh... Turning your attention back to the lean-to, you can also see that on one stone wall are a number of tools set up, like professional blacksmithing's tools, many, like, hammers and tongs, many of which are longer than any of you are tall, easily. And there is a massive anvil over in one corner of the lean-to with a hearth, a forge, like, full equipment, everything necessary— even though it's all scaled up to the size of a giant, uh, Tony, you can actually see um, an area set off to the side where there are a number of places where it looks like um, ordinary human-sized myths could work as well. So it looks like uh, whoever designed this place was considerate enough to include something for most myths. Oh, these tools are too big. Oh, these tools are too small. Ah, oh, these tools are just right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tony's going to, yeah, just go uh, and make a whole bunch of chains and uh, actually make uh, some, like, big, uh, like, iron handcuffs to, to okay. go with them. So you begin hammering this out, and you realize, looking over these tools, like, these tools are exceptionally well made, even by the standards of a cyclops and the ores nearby as well like these are ores that are dense they have substance when you hit them uh the metals are glittering in the forge light like this is this could be like a blacksmith's dream forge um you think like this is one of the 
whoever made this forge did so with love and care beyond anything that most blacksmiths would consider to be good quality stuff. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll just, uh, uh, compliment, uh, the forge and say, oh, you, this is, uh, exceedingly well crafted, uh, much better than even what I have in my own home. And at this, Vid uh, just uh, gives you a slow nod of thanks and a wink, and ah, it does my heart good to hear you say that. There are few things that I have a passion for like smithing. It's in my blood. It's in my soul. Been doing it um, as long as I can remember. And yeah, looking over the wall, you can see that an- there are a number of forged weapons covered in old runes and stuff like that. And you can see that, yeah, given that these are giant-sized and Viv's most likely the one who made these, it is obvious that she is something of a master smith. And even looking at her hands, Tony, you can see that they are coated in scars, both from battle as well as from work. It, like, burns and threadbare nicks and scratches and all kinds of things that indicate that she has been doing this for a very, very long time. Probably hundreds upon hundreds of years. You and this, uh, community been here? Ah, uh, well, we've been here for a few years now, ever since, uh, well, I'm sure many of you remember it as, uh, an unexpected visit from a number of people all over the planet, but, uh... I've been practicing this for a very long time myself, you might say. Hmm. Is there a reason you're living out here and not in Mythtown? And at this, suddenly you hear a... From the kettle over uh, the campfire. Ah, well! And so she quickly uh, scoops the kettle out of the fire with her bare hands, mind you. Uh, You watch this as she quickly pours, uh, yeah, into, yeah, this large sort of, yeah, steaming bowl that she then sets down on the ground. It looks like all of you guys can go up to it. It's maybe the size of a bathtub, but uh, she also has uh, set down, oh yeah, a little sort of wooden case. And when she opens it up, you can see that there are a number of pewter mugs inside as well. And by all means, feel free to help yourselves. Uh, There's a box with some tea leaves in there if you'd like to avail yourselves of something to drink in these cold tides. Uh, Yeah, Quincy's down for tea. He Mm -hmm. will around for a cup. Okay. Yeah, you take it, and it looks like there are some uh, handmade tea bags. You're looking at it, seems a little too intricate to be made by the giant, possibly elvish made, but yeah, you take the tea bags, put them in the mugs, and soon enough, you've got a nice steaming uh, mug of tea going. Wait, they have tea bags here? Uh, yeah. Oh. Handmade ones. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Um, Probably but, something yeah. close to like a tea infuser if she's a, uh, a blacksmith. Mm hmm. But uh, getting back to my partner's question, uh, Aye, why? Go ahead. Uh, yes, he's cur- I'm curious as well as to why your distance, in particular, from Mythtown. She uh, goes over and settles herself on a stool near the fire, and as her cloak falls back, it is revealed that one of her legs is prosthetic, like this old peg leg that seems to be like carved out of dragon bone in the shape of a clawed foot, covered in runes. And she looks down at you. Well, you see, there are a number of humans that are less than welcoming of many of our kind. So instead of living in uh, human society with all its confusing doodads and its gizmos and all these things that are just very unfamiliar to many of us, we've decided to maybe live uh, 
a little further away from prying eyes in uh, locations and uh, surroundings we might be more accustomed to. Hmm. Inter- uh, well, interesting. Though- and yeah. Um, and Connor is just uh, still looking down at the ground. He's just glancing up at her like he's got that visible expression of somebody who's like wanting somebody else to keep quiet because they're saying stuff that might be really incriminating, but he can't really do so openly. Hmm. What? One second. So sensing the kind of thing um, that it's there, uh, Blackmore is going to make an offhand comment, um, something along the lines of it's like, ah, well... As long, well, under UK law, which is technically the jurisdiction that we're falling under, squatting on non-residential property is not technically a crime, so long as damage to the property isn't done. Though, considering all things considered, you seem to be taking good care of this place. Of course. We take great... uh, We make great efforts to ensure that Mother Nature is not disturbed in any way, shape, or form like some humans might be doing. Make sure that all of our efforts are used in harmony with nature, not against her. May I ask, the men that we accosted out in the uh, the woods, ah. this isn't the first time they've been here, is it? And she, at this, uh, yeah, her withered old face just forms a sour expression as she shakes her head. You can be sure of that. Uh, they've been coming by for a little while now, just poking their heads and making off with a few of our own, but... Yeah, now that we've got a few of theirs, perhaps we can maybe discuss the return of some of our friends and kin. The return? Oh, Quincy is, is, is smiling and drinking his tea. <laughs> um, thinking, it's interesting that she thinks that they that, that they ha- oh, have these people now. Because mm. I was under the impression that they were arrested by the police. So, I understand that you come from the city. And your job is to... Come to think of it, she actually casts a bit of a, a... Not exactly suspicious, but a curious glance between all of you. Why is it that you happen to find ourselves out here with such a uh, good timing, you might say? Well, we actually were trying to investigate something else. Uh, uh, Blackmore is going to pull out like a notepad and just start going over his notes. About two days... About... What was it? Was it two days ago or yesterday? That's that. Uh Two days ago on Monday. Yeah. Two days ago, uh, a dryad, a retainer to the Grove, to the Grove Mother, went missing. And we if had this... Been... Yeah. Oh. Con- Sorry, continue. Uh, well, if she reacts to it, Blackmore is going to take notice. She does. Her eyes widen and she sort of straightens up just a little bit. Hmm. There hasn't been an official investigation by Scotland Yard made yet, but we were following up on a, uh, call it some, an anonymous tip of sorts... Aye. That potentially there may that she her disappearance may be related to this enclave, possibly with the McCarthys. But we were wondering if you had seen anything about it. And at this, she nods. In fact, we have seen something like that. She came by just yesterday. In fact, and at this, uh, Jack is just. She did. She, she was here. Uh, what? Well, and what? Can you tell me what you look like? And so, in fact, we can. Uh, lighter skin, a uh, hair full of yellow flowers. She had this worried expression on her face. See, as it turns out, she was hoping to speak to a said something about she wanted to see one of the curse breakers that was living here. A fellow that has a long history of being able to cure illnesses, remove all kinds of injuries and wounds, and dispel curses. 
She spoke to him about a matter of things, but something went sour and she actually uh, tore her way out of here uh, not a moment too soon. So you have no idea where her current whereabouts are? At this, she shakes her head. No. Um, something happened. She went berserk and she uh, fled as quickly as she could, not taking care for anybody in her path. She was just tossing him aside using her abilities to rend the forest up and just left a trail of destruction as she tore out of here. Did we notice any signs of destruction when we were, like, walking through the area? Um, not through the direction that you came in. Hmm. Would we be able... I understand that you have some apprehension about uh, humans. I'm wondering, however, if we could speak to this Cursebreaker. That is possible, indeed. Uh, he's a little reclusive. Um... Uh, myths of his kind, they are very apprehensive around some humans, but I imagine that uh, Sparklehoof would be happy to speak to you in regards to this matter. Well, thank you. We'd appreciate it. Anything that we can do might help get, um, might help, uh, say it might help this dryad from what seems to be some sort of manner of trouble. <laughs> it sounds like it, I... <sighs> there is one other thing that we'd like to speak to you about. And uh, what's that? Connor. When did this... he come to this enclave? Ah, and with this, yeah, just a big sunny smile breaks across the old woman's face as she reaches down and just uh, taps Connor on the shoulder with uh, one finger like a shoulder pat. Ah, Connor here. Uh, he's been with us for a few years now. Ah, uh, just came and, uh, yeah, he was somebody who's been researching myths for some time ever since they first came back and he's been a member of our community for some time ensuring that people like us don't uh, fall by the wayside uh, it's good to know there's at least one human out there who's looking out for our interests and yeah Connor he looked like he could be carved out of wood with how impassive he's looking right now <laughs> mm. um might I ask, we'd met Connor before, under rather, under some other circumstances. He All seems right. to have changed a little bit. And at this, um, uh, yeah, the old woman, uh, yeah, her smile disappears and she looks down at Connor, nodding thoughtfully, and Connor here has made a pact with a few myths in our community, and one of them is responsible for his ability to, well... With the abilities this pack grants him, it does offer a bit of a change in his appearance, you see. I see. We've never encountered a pack like that before. Ah, well, it, it, it does happen with myths of this particular ilk. It does result in the creation of a few pack users that are most likely known to you humans as, uh, I believe they're referred to as werewolves, exactly. Well, I see. And, um, at this, Connor, yeah, um, hey, Viv, um, tell you what, why don't you keep the water boiling for just a little bit in case we might come in for some tea? I'd just like to speak to these guys in private, if that's okay. Well, by all means, Connor, go right ahead, my dear. And so with that, she uh, begins tending to the kettle a little bit as Connor kind of gestures for all of you to follow him outside. All right, uh, I will follow along. <laughs> So he just uh, heads outside the lean-to, um, kind of goes near the edge of the lake and just uh, stands kind of rubbing his arms a little bit awkwardly as he looks at all of you. And he's like, well, uh, I guess you can probably understand this is an 
awkward situation? Well, I wouldn't say so. I'm glad to finally meet Quincy's confidential informant. And at this, he looks with a bit of alarm over at Quincy. Quincy just looks up and says, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So Blackmore is actually going to smile and just be like, you know, I didn't actually know that, but I had a hunch. But thanks for confirming it for me. And yeah, uh, Connor just gives a bit of a small sigh as if to realize shit. (sighs) Well, okay, I guess you're probably wanting a bit of an explanation for a few things right now. Sure. All right, where do I start? So he just kind of reaches up and ruffles his hair a little bit. All right, so, yeah, basically, I guess you can guess by my accent, but I'm not originally from Britain. I was born here as a little kid, but my parents moved to America soon after I was born. I only moved back here about two years ago. Basically, I was doing a transfer program where I could... I came here on a football scholarship so that I could study uh, anthropology and, you know, former civilizations and stuff. But after myths came back into the world, they started offering new myth study programs. So I changed my major to focus on that. And I started investigating myths and I found this community out here. And as it turns out, a lot of them just want to be left alone by humans They just want to avoid trouble and discrimination and stuff. And I realized as I was studying these guys and learning so much about them that I was myth positive as well. And I started working as the man in black about shortly before I met all of you in the raid against the Chinese triads. So I started doing what I did because... At this, he pauses, and I guess I can tell you this. One of the myths that I have a pact with, uh, the one that lets me look like this, and he kind of gestures at his um, lupine features, yeah. The myth that I have a pact with is an avatar of justice. Specifically, by giving me access to his abilities, um, I can do all kinds of stuff. It, It really enhances a lot of my physical abilities, the super strength comes from Viv over there, and he gestures back to the lean-to. But almost everything else comes from this avatar, Cal. And in order for... Like, my conditions for the pact, having these abilities, is that I work to uphold the justice of the UK. Because Cal has been slumbering for a long time. because, And with recent events involving myths coming back into the world and all the injustices going on, Cal is weakening. Or he has been, but by me going out there and defending the people of London, Cal's powers are returning to him. So the stronger he gets, the more I can uphold justice. The more I uphold justice, the stronger he gets. It's a feedback loop. Uh, Tony will ra- raise a hand. He just uh, looks at you. Does you being a criminal make him weaker then? And at this, he uh, kind of thinks for a moment. Like, he just told me to go out and see that good is done. I'm guessing that even if my actions are slightly criminal, whatever good I'm doing is more than making up for it. Mm. Lawful does not equal good, it seems. And he just kind of shrugs and nods a little bit at that. I'd have hoped that you'd have done so through official channels. You understand this puts us in a great deal of complications. I... At this, he pauses and... Yeah. If... I'm realizing, I've realized over the last while that it probably would have been in my best interest to 
re be recruited by the Mythos unit, but by that point, it was too little too late, and when I started up with all of this, when I first started going around and stuff, the Mythos unit wasn't a thing. And I felt that if things were just going to continue in that way and nobody was going to look out for myths, you know, I had to, whether legally or otherwise, you know, um, Spider-Man. Quincy is going to finish sipping his tea. And why continue if you, once we showed up? And at this, he still pauses. I felt that there was only so much that the police could do. I wasn't sure what sort of folks you were. I thought if there was the chance that you would be like cops back in America, then maybe despite the fact that you are, you know, have myth abilities, maybe you wouldn't look out for myths. But as I saw that you were handling a number of cases, I realized that were the good guys, in fact. And um, but with the fact that the McCarthy family is breathing down my neck and they might have somebody in high places that is looking for me coupled with how obvious my abilities are as much as I want to destroy the identity of the man in black and join mythos unit officially. I can't do that right now. Oh, slow down a second. What do you mean in high places at this? He uh, pulls out his phone and he shows you guys the recording that he gave to you Quincy from the fellow named Titus Sweeney, uh, who is apparently on the phone with somebody telling them to keep the Mythos unit off of the backs of the McCarthy family. Hmm. We're going to need this recording. If it's possible, Creedy can probably start looking in through his eternal affairs connections, see if anything picks up. All right. And with, the, okay. Um, with that, yeah, so uh, you guys got a number I can text this to or... Yeah, uh, Blackmore will give him his cell phone, just right. text him the video. So, and then as um, he's doing that, uh, Blackmore's like, now, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say that if we were to put you in handcuffs and try and drag you out of the village, Viv would, um, how to put this delicately, murder us? No, and if that, he actually raises a hand and stops. And look, if you want to take me in, I know for a fact that if I were to try and resist arrest, or the myths were to do something, that would draw attention to this place. If you want to arrest me, I'll go with you. No fuss, no trouble. Now, uh, my question here, uh, Quincy speaks up, is what stops you from being an all-new uh, individual that the McCarthys don't know about? Why not let the man in black simply disappear? At this, he just... Um, well, if I was new individual... Like, he gestures up at his face. If I was to do stuff with these abilities, everybody would know who I was. Maybe I could take up a new vigilante identity, but with my abilities, it wouldn't take long for the McCarthy family to put two and two together and realize who I actually am. Well, not, not, nothing personal, but as far as they're aware, you're simply a very strong individual. And same could be said for my friend here. Motions over to uh, Blackmore. Or, or actually, I guess it would probably be... It's Tony, yeah. It would probably be... It would actually be Adam, because he has vampire powers. Ah, uh, it's true. It's true. At that, uh... Tell you what, you can uh, make me a diplomacy check if you want. Sure. Uh, uh, that is a... 13. So with that, he just thinks for a moment, and I guess he might have a point there. So, uh, uh Tony's gonna raise his hand again? Yeah. Oh, uh, hey, it, it's okay, this isn't like a classroom or something. You can just, yeah, you know, feel free to ask. 
So if someone breaks the law for the right reasons, they don't have to go, they don't have to be punished for it? That's not necessarily how it works, uh, but people can be pardoned for certain offenses under the right conditions. Or people can be taken into the system as a ward due to extenuating circumstances. Yes. Especially, oh, especially under protections if, they are, if their arrest would, were to uh, <clears throat> endanger their life. At best, I could definitely see him working as a CI of some sorts. We'd still have to arrest him, of course, but a few good words here and there, that can generally be smoothed over. Though, of course, any approval is going to have to go through Buttermaker, and we all know how that's going to go. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, Quincy's going to put his hand on Tony's shoulder. Um, just because the rules exist doesn't mean that they are enforced by the right men. And then, are we the wrong men? We I try not ha- to be. I would hope not. Then if we are enforcing the rules, doesn't that make... I, I am very confused. Yeah, the, the yeah, Tony, you have to understand, the English legal system is a hodgepodge of various things dating back to about the 10th century. There's a lot of overlap here and various things that don't make it extremely easy for it to be black and white. It seems simpler it's- the way Midtown does it. Which is... If you commit a crime, you are arrested and taken to the Midtown Council for judgment. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, well, not every judge can be an avatar of balance. At least not in the human system. No. You should do, replace your, your judges with avatars of balance. It seems <laughs> to make things very easy. Uh, if only we had the budget. <laughs> so, as you guys have been talking, uh, you notice that uh, Jack Houston hasn't been saying anything. He's just been steadily staring at Connor with his arms folded and like this the most scrutinizing expression you've ever seen on his face. Oh right, he he had a he he's got a grudge at least somewhat. He does. So, if I'm understanding this right, you've been uh doing this whole kind of superhero thing, like helping people out and even if you get arrested and even if you get thrown in the same, I'll punish for all this, you'd still do it anyway, because it's it means you doing the right thing. And Connor just, yes. So what you're saying is, you're a hero. So, um, and Connor's just, I mean, I, I don't want to think of myself like that. And, and Jack just gives an expression, his eyes widening, as if to say, shit, that's exactly what a hero would say! And so, yeah, Jack is just going to... I'm going to need a minute. And so with that, he turns around and begins walking down the shoreline of the lake, one hand up to his face as if thinking extremely hard to himself. Right. So does he raise his hand again? That's not part of the legal system. He just does that sometimes. Okay. I was confused if being a hero may change how the laws work for people. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we've given you a lot to think about. Um, While you're thinking this over... Why don't you take us to this curse breaker that uh, Spring Meadow was apparently uh, required in the services of? Can you do and that? If, if, uh, Connor, no- yeah, he nods. Yeah, I guess I can take you to him. He's a little eccentric, but he's probably one of the more, like, aside from Viv and Cal, he's probably one of the more powerful myths here. Uh, so, I've, well, he can't be any worse than Judge White. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, Connor just uh, chooses to 
ignore that statement not knowing who Judge White is, but he uh, leads you a little further back towards the areas where all the myths are. He leads you through uh, between a few of the houses and stuff and through a few winding trees, eventually coming to a glade with the moon overhead now shining down and casting this snow-dappled glade in just these lovely moonbeams and these glittering motes of light that are traveling through the air almost like slivers of the moon itself. And uh, as you watch, you can see that there is a figure moving between the trees. It seems to be quadrupedal, but as this glowing figure slowly moves between the trees, then emerges into the glade, all of you see, for the first time, a unicorn. Its skin is like the surface of the moon itself, glowing with this lovely white shade. And as it tosses its mane to one side, it is run through with these insane, vibrant colors, pinks and purples and blues, and a spiraling horn atop its gleaming white forehead that is just seems to be made of pure spun ivory. It comes towards all of you. It's hide gleaming with what you think might be glitter? Like, you're not sure? But, uh, yeah. It looks like all of a little girl's imaginings of what a unicorn might look like. This is, yeah, this could be the ultimate animal that any child could ever hope to see. And it just slowly clip-clops up to you, tossing its mane from side to side and blinking with these lovely long eyelashes at all of you. Dr. Sparklefoot, I presume? Actually, my name is Sparkle Hoof. It is a pleasure to meet you, humans. Uh, uh, Quincy finishes his his drink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pulls out a flask out of his coat. And uh, Connor, uh, Connor just gives you a bit of a look as if to say, I told you so. Um, so question from, yeah. from, uh, one, uh, what, what does Tony know about, like, unicorns? Okay, so unicorns are spirits of purity. They are myths that are centered around the idea of keeping nature, nature, like, clean and stuff, free of pollution or any kind of decay, things like that. Um, you do know that there is a misapprehension that ver- that unicorns only approach virgin women, but really that's because they're, they can be very apprehensive around some humans. And in the past, many of the women who they've approached, unicorns have observed these humans uh, that are mostly young women, and they seem to be of good moral character before approaching them in private. So that kind of contributed to the mm, falsehood that they only approach virgin women. Right. And also, uh, unicorns don't exactly speak, but instead just uh, their voice is heard, basically, almost as if like a mental pulse, kind of. Yeah, yeah, burning bush stuff. Exactly. Uh, Okay, so, but like, I assume they are very rare. They aren't like... They are quite rare, but they have incredible healing powers and a number of light-based abilities which can be used for a number of different purposes, defensive, offensive, all that kind of stuff. They are also considered by human classifications to be class three myths. Mm. He's strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so after Blackmore composes himself a little yep. bit, he's going to go, uh, well, um, 
Sorry, was it? It was Sparkle Foot, correct? Sparkle Hoof. Sparkle Hoof. Okay. Uh, well, Doctor Sparkle Hoof. Uh, oh, my nickname. Please, no need to refer to me as Doctor. That is a human tone. Right. Uh, my name is Inspector Blackmore. This is Inspector Megalos, Inspector Adams, Inspector Lavender. And is Jack Houston come with us? Yeah, Jack is just kind of staring open-mouthed at this thing. And that is Inspector Houston. We were oh. wondering if we could ask you a few questions about a dryad that came to seek your services, a oh, spring meadow. Yeah. Yes, she did come just a little while ago, that's correct. It is very rare that I see humans coming here, but so soon after the Dryad visited, I wonder, hmm, what is it that you hope to ask me about regarding this Dryad? We're told that the Dryad was seeking your services to remove a curse that she had apparently befallen. Can you give us any information about what that might have been? Uh, roll me diplomacy. Okay. Uh, diplomacy. Uh, that is a 20. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, and do you, what do you seek of this dryad? Would you, would you define her? Well, she's been missing for two days, and we're afraid that something might have happened to her, so we're trying to find her. Well, if you are friends of Connor, then I suppose you are friends of mine as well. So. The Dryad came to me a few days ago. She said that she wanted to speak to me about something. She didn't say what it was, which was interesting. So I took that to mean it might have been some sort of gears. A curse about which a person cannot speak. And so she tried to show me something as if through great force of will, she reached up towards her neck, you see, and I sensed a curse there. A red band wrapped around her neck. It was very powerful, and even with my abilities, I could not remove it. And when I tried, she suddenly went mad. She used her abilities to lash out at me, and she fled the forest, causing that trail. And uh, the unicorn gestures over with a sweep of one of its hoofs, causing a trail of glitter to kick up behind it as it does so. And you can see that there is a path that has been torn through the forest, like a like a massive bulldozer tore its way through clear to the other side hmm. a red band around her neck does that um i i actually that... so so wait does quincy know about adam's the smiley face tattoo uh yeah we discussed it in the van coming book here before yeah. if i remember correctly hmm. yeah i'm more thinking um when we were dealing with uh, genevieve helms's bodyguard was wasn't that like a red band around his neck as well you're absolutely correct. A mastermind. You said you couldn't remove this particular curse, yes? That is correct. Even with my abilities, it was beyond my powers to effect. Would you be able to figure out who caused the curse in the first place? I cannot trace it back to its source. I can only remove it. Which means that, so... And even considering that it was beyond my abilities means the curse maker is powerful indeed. That's that figures with what we've done. Um, does anybody else have any questions? Um, hmm. So she just showed up. At, yeah. couldn't, couldn't talk. About, I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm talking out of character. 
Uh, so she showed up, couldn't talk about anything. Well, tried to needed help, couldn't talk about it. So it's probably the smiley face thing. Tried to remove the the GS. She went crazy and then she ran off. Uh, yep, that's pretty much it. And also, okay. when she tried to show him the thing, it was as if she was showing him her neck through sheer force of will. Ah, okay. So what? Uh, the Trail of Destruction. What direction is it in? Towards London? Away from London? Uh, kind of in the direction of London, maybe. How fast can we potentially get satellite imaging? Because what Blackmore's thinking is that this is going to end up being some sort of Manchurian candidate scenario where, like, she's been given this gas, and then at some point it's going to flick on and then she's going to do something drastic like murder Iris or do something of that nature. But, like, so the idea would be that that trail of destruction that leads back to London is basically she's just going to show up in a couple days fine and dandy and then all of a sudden something bad's going to happen. So Blackmore is just kind of musing over this and trying to figure out if there's a way that we could trace this trail. And you kind of hear him muttering like, satellite photography? Oh, it'll take too long. Hmm. And well, as, yeah, Jack has both of his hands on his forehead and is running his fingers through his hair repeatedly. Well, um, if nobody else has any questions... Uh, uh, I'll step forward. Okay. Um, yeah, Adam's going to step forward and kind of bow a little bit. Uh, I have a question about, well, I, I don't know if this is a curse. Well, I guess that's my question. And he's going to pull down his neck and show the um, uh, smiley face kind of mole that's appeared on the side of his mm. neck. Uh, and at this, uh, the unicorn's eyes are actually going to widen and it slowly takes a few hoof steps back. And, oh my, oh my, 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 you poor thing. Well, that's certainly not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> a sped. You walk into the doctor's <laughs> office and just yell, Oh my god! <laughs> oh, why are you in here? Uh. I think you might have found this. I think, yes. Stop asking questions if you wish to live. Do not investigate any further if you value your own life. Hmm. Well, then it's as we suspected. <sighs> Very well. I'm sorry. I cannot remove that, but oh, you poor thing. And with that, he uh, takes a few steps forward and kind of like does the horse thing where he wraps his head and his neck uh, like around yours and kind of nuzzles up against you as if to comfort you. Uh, thank you. Do you know if it can be removed? Is is there Uh, a name for this kind of curse? His hair smell. His hair smells like sugar and sunshine. (laughs) Um. Sorry, uh, you said, was there a name for this kind of curse? Yeah. Well, at this, um, yeah, the unicorn just, uh, thinks for a moment, stepping back from Adam. It's not that it's, the curse itself has a name, but if I were to tell you any more about who might be able to, there's only one type of myth that can give out a curse like this, but if I tell you any more, I would put you even more at risk. I'm sorry. Huh, and yet you have this information and you yourself are not at risk. Well... Um, uh, at this, the unicorn just uh, s- sort of like uh, clips, clops back and forth a little bit nervously. And they know a little bit about, well, the one who inflicted the curse, yes. They are, they are somebody who several myths may know about, in fact, but again, it is not something that we like to talk about for the reason I just stated. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, I I received this after speaking to another myth. So, we've met at least one other individual who has some information. I'm, I'm sorry, but 
Although I know there are a few who may know of this one specifically, I don't think I could... I don't think I could tell you anything more. I'm sorry! With that, uh, yeah, uh... The sparkle hoof tosses his head dramatically, just tossing up a wave of sparkles that travels through the air. Um, Quincy's going to walk up and after finishing his drink, uh, mm-hmm. and say, and like reach his hand out as if it, as if he doesn't believe this thing is real and like touch it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, it is one of the softest things you've ever touched. Like this is what a cloud must feel like. Oh. And uh, sparkle hoof just kind of and just tosses his head a little bit at the sensation. Well, um, is there maybe a book somewhere that we could reference? Rule diplomacy. Uh, that's a big old 14. And at this, uh, the unicorn. If you were to look further, you might be able to find something, but in good conscience, I cannot tell you where to look. I don't want any of you to risk yourselves any further. Wait, but how does us looking in... I don't... Quincy looks back at everybody, slightly confused, but we need to know. And yeah, the unicorn just looks incredibly distraught. The more you know, the more you put yourself at risk! But we need to know. And at this, um, yeah, Connor just sighs and... Look... Does it, is this a riddle? One second. <laughs> uh, two legs, the moon, <laughs> the mother was the doctor. Yeah, he just stands there pointing. <laughs> Did I get Sparkle, it? Sparkle, who just slowly tilts his head in your direction, just an expression of pure confusion on his horsey face. Uh, let it go for now, Quincy. This is, uh, well, it's something a bit beyond us at the moment, but hopefully this allows us to narrow it down a little bit later on. I wonder if maybe there's a way for us to parcel out this information so that each of, each of us learns a, a piece of the whole... That we still need to know how to to get to find it. Yes. I have an idea. I don't particularly like it, but I'm going to need some time by myself to see if it'll work. Hmm. In the meantime, uh, thank you, Sparklehoof. You've been very helpful. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that! And at this, uh, yeah, his demeanor definitely changes uh, to one that's more positive. But yes, I'm glad I was able to answer your questions. Just please stay safe when you're investigating this. Oh, it's right. perhaps a little too late for that, but thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com.